against you, go and point out the fault when two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, then you regain that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of one or two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let that one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree about anything on earth or anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. But where two or three are gathered by none, I am there among them. The word of the Lord. A little bit personal. I've been around the church a long time. I can't remember the first time I sat through a worship service. But I was there in the days when not all churches had nurseries. And I can remember an occasion of needing to be carried out of a worship service by my mother. Who not only paddled my backside, but brought me sniffling back into worship where I had to sit there. You know what? It turned me off on church. Unlike a lot of my peers, even in high school and college, for the most part, I attended worship services on Sundays. I drive up to Western Carolina and visit with Karen, and we'd go to church. Or either. I've been at a seminary 34 years. I've served in four different churches. I have been deeply involved in the presbyteries of which I have been a member, often serving on commissions, working with conflicted churches in those presbyteries. Now, that's a lot of personal data. But I only recount it to say I've been around the church a long time. I've seen the way the church can behave. But then so have many of you. But even if you're new to the church, this church, any church, you know that the church is often a place of conflict, of hurt feelings, of angry people, of deep resentment. And we know we shouldn't, but in fact we do. Who of us can say, we've not been hurt in the context of church. Or for that matter, if we're honest, who can say that within the confines of church we've not hurt somebody else? Sometimes in spite of our best efforts, we do those things. And if you're one of those fortunate few who have never hurt another person or never been hurt, just hang on, because sooner or later your time's coming too. And I hate to tell you. And yet, in spite of all of those things, and you're saying, gee whiz, could you get any more negative? In spite of all those things, I love the church. Most of the days, I love serving as pastor of this church. You heard that, most days. Most days, it is a good thing to be around. I love the church. 
But the church is that peculiar instrument of God through Christ. Jesus and Paul reminds us that we are the body, and yet we are very frail human body. We're a human organization in the midst of a heavenly calling. My time is past. Minister of Word and Sacrament. Called by God to preach the Word and minister sacraments to point people toward eternity. And in the middle of that, I'm a pastor, a leader, a teacher, a manager, an arbitrator, a smoother of ruffled feathers, at times a pin cushion and a sounding board. Almost anything the church needs at the moment. Occasionally, I've even been called things that I can't say at this moment. That's just part of the church. And Paul says, in spite of all that, you are the body of Christ. I confess, some days I wonder how God puts up with us at all. So at the same time, here we are, the body of Christ. But you have to give Jesus credit. He knows that we're called to be salt and light. And yet Jesus doesn't swoop over our works and our ministries. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus doesn't say, you're not a true church if you have disagreements, if you have arguments, if you get in fights. That's not what he says. He says there will be disagreements, there will be hurts, there will be wrongs committed in and on behalf of the church. And when that happens, you got to care enough about sisters and brothers to respond and do the right thing. And that's a word to the church, and it's a word to me, and maybe it's a word to you. Because I confess there are plenty of days when I'm guilty of saying, I wish we could just get beyond all the squabbles and the arguments and meetings and get on the real business. You know, the real business of the church. But it may be that learning to forgive and get along with each other is the real business of church. Maybe that's a part of who we're supposed to be. The easiest thing in the world would be to take the difficulties and sweep them under the rug. We do that so well. We pretend we're not hurt or we are not hurt. And we ignore it. And we let it go. But Jesus says, that doesn't work. You're doing a disservice to all of your fellow believers and to yourself. We tell you a story. At first, she said she never intended to hurt anybody's feelings. You know how that goes, don't you? Alice was drawing up a list of leaders to help with the fall program for missions, fundraising, and she decided that this year she was going to leave off taking Now, at first, she said she did because she wanted to love. Later, when she was pressed, she said, well, you know what? Ann's been running this thing for years, and people are just sick and tired of it. Well, some folks in the church said, well, who's sick and tired of it? We didn't really know that. But... So Ann responded the way we often respond. She got her feelings on it. 
And she stopped doing things. And then she got mad. And she began to talk about Alice and began to say how unseen she was to be a part of the church and to be a leader of anything. And as matters often do with the church, it went from bad to worse. And people began to choose up sides. And people went into churches where they began to choose up sides. Boy, does it get ugly and hurt. And so the matter continued through the winter and the spring and the summer. And they came down to fall. And they were sitting in a worship service, something like this one, on the first Sunday in September. And they got to this lectionary passage from Matthew. And when it was read, Anne sat bolt upright in her seat. And she looked around because she knew everybody in the place thought they were dressing up. You ever felt like that in church service? <laughs> of course, it worked. That's what she thought. And she nervously looked around at others. Why was speaking to her this day? And so she began to pray about this. She knew she'd been wrong the way she thought she had been. What was she going to do? She didn't know how to confront Alice. So she sat down and she wrote a letter so she could get it said just the way she wanted to. And she asked Alice if they could sit down and talk. And they did. And they cried together. They apologized to each other together. And then they went back to church and they let the church know they had resolved this conflict. I know it doesn't always work out like that, does it? Most of the times, we don't behave that well. I know a church in this presbytery, and I won't tell you the name. I'm coming off of being on a commission where we served as its session. But this little church decided it moved from the place it was to a place of higher visibility. And that was great. We had no problems. Built a beautiful little building. Everything went along just well for a while. And then a few years ago, they decided they needed a new bathroom down in their basement in their fellowship hall. Everybody agreed they needed a new bathroom. They couldn't agree which corner of the basement to put it in. You think I'm kidding? <laughs> they were down to two people arguing about where they were going to put a toilet for heaven's sakes. But that's the church. Sometimes we behave like that. I wish the church could get better at our discipleship. I really do. And I know that those who sit on the outside of the church, or sometimes those who are in the church, will look at us and say, well, if that's the way the church is, I don't want to be involved. And my response to them is, yeah, you know, sometimes the church can be mean and vicious and rather bland. But you know what? If Jesus could die for people like that, he could die for people. Come on, be a part of this bunch of hypocrites. We're all the same boat together. It's true. In today's text, Jesus gives us the prescription for how we're supposed to deal with each other in the church. 
And Jesus says it's not that hard. What it requires is putting aside some of the pride and setting aside some of the hurt and doing some things very specific <coughs> that helps us restore relationships with each other. Now, I want you to notice the text. Jesus says that the one who thinks they've been offended has to make the first move. You don't like that. I don't like that either. But that's what Jesus says. And presumably, he says it because if we're the ones who have been hurt, we recognize the hurt. The other person may not even know the hurts. So we're the ones who have to go and talk to that person. We're the ones who have to take the two or the three and finally take the church. One of the things that the church has done in this text is that little phrase, and if you can't come to a suitable and equitable resolution, you treat them like scribes and Pharisees. And we say, oh, good. That means we'll excommunicate, we'll throw them out. Wait a minute. How did Jesus treat scribes and Pharisees? Hmm? If Jesus can treat scribes and Pharisees as people worthy of his concern, then it may be Matthew's telling us that when we have that kind of spat in the church, rather than throw them out, we treat them as people for whom Christ We love the closing of this text where two or three are gathered in my name, gathered in my name, there I am. We like that. We like to think that when we get together and pray, Jesus is there. When we get together and we're in a group of people that are compatible and companionable, Jesus is there. Well, those things are true. But look at it in the context of Matthew, where two or three are gathered in my name. That's two or three men in conflict with each other, and who now are resolving the conflict. There I am. There it is. Wow. What a change. Missions committee was meeting. And they wanted to do something about the poor and the homeless in their area. And so one member, and we'll call her the food, shelter, and clothing person, really was pushing hard for the church to provide a place for that to happen. Another fellow on the committee, we'll call him the evangelical. She said, well, that's fine. We can also preach the gospel to them. And in this committee meeting, they began to go at each other. And it wasn't that they really objected to what the other one was saying. They just wanted to have the last word. And you've seen me spiral out of control. And before long, the guy who wanted to preach the gospel said to the one who wanted to provide food and clothing, you know what? I don't think you even love Jesus. 
and this is after you slammed the hand down on the table and said, wait a minute. We're supposed to be disciples of Jesus and we're going to talk and act like this to each other? Mister, I think we need to convert and turn to this. We need to feed the clover and say, you know what? Thank you. 